sure what that was. All right. Welcome, everybody, to episode 3.8 of This Week in Baseball, presented by Diamond Digest. I am this week's host, Jordan Lazowski, joined by Sean Hoff and Jenny Sai. It's been a weird week of baseball for me. I don't know. I'm a Sox fan, if you haven't listened to this before. I'm just, I, I'm trying to get through it. How are you two doing? I'm in a very similar boat as you. A's aren't great. And there's not really much of a reason to watch them. See, I'm in a great place because I don't care about teams. And I get to watch whatever game I want. It's just wild to me, though. How are you able to be like, I don't care about teams? Like, I pick teams during the playoffs so that I have some sort of investment. But during the regular season, I know that like each individual game, it doesn't really matter. So... I just turn on a game and I'm like, okay, this game's good. I envy that. I don't know why. I don't think I could do that. I'm clear. I'm not good at it right now. <laughs> I can barely stomach watching my own team at times, but I envy that. But anywho, again, welcome everybody. Episode 3.8, Jenny Sai, Sean Hoff, Jordan Lazowski, bringing you another episode. We'll start as we always do with the standings, kind of get an update based on that. Astros-Yankees, the Twins and their pitching coach, the Mariners-Angels brawl, Bryce Harper, Ole Miss, Brewers, and probably much more will be on this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get into it. If the season ended today, here's what the standings would look like. In the AL East, the Yankees, 53-20, and 20, pulling away out there. AL Central, Minnesota Twins, just two games up on the Cleveland Guardians. Into the AL West, the Houston Astros also pulling away their ten and a half games up. In the National League East, the Mets four and a half games up on the Atlanta Braves at forty-seven and twenty-seven. The Milwaukee Brewers, one of the big talking points for them, just a game up on the St. Louis Cardinals at forty-two and thirty-three. In the NL West, the Dodgers slim lead over the Padres. By just a game and a half. So, I mean, all of the National League division series are close. Or division races are close, excuse me. Boston, Tampa Bay, and Toronto are your wild card teams. So, four teams in the AL all come... Or four teams in the AL are in the AL East. And in the wild card for the National League. San Diego, Atlanta, St. Louis. With the Giants and Phillies not too far behind. And in the AL... White Sox still hanging on. All right. I haven't looked at those standings in a little bit. That was a little more depressing than I wanted it to be. Anywho, we don't need to talk about that. We need to talk about whatever you two think we should start with. So, I mean, Red Sox, Brewers, all kind of teams that we plan to talk about. Sean, why don't you lead us off today? You know what? I'm going to start with the Brewers because I have their page open on Fangraphs right now. So, I, I don't know what they're doing. I don't – they're a game up, which is kind of disappointing – because they were pretty heavily favored to win this division by all the betting sites. All the playoff odds picked them to win the division. And they are leading. They're leading by a game, which is disappointing given that. But also, right now on the injured list, they have, like, a whole rotation's worth of starters. They have Aaron Ashby, Freddie Peralta, Brandon Woodruff, Luis Perdomo, and Justin Topa all of whom are capable of starting, if not very good big league starters. Their rotation right now 
is basically Corbin Burns and a bunch of duct tape. I know Eric Lauer has been pretty good. He's inconsistent, though. Adrian Hauser has a really nasty sinker, but he walks so many guys. And they have Chichi Gonzalez slotted in the number two spot right now, who I don't care how well he plays. He's Chichi Gonzalez. No offense to you, Chichi. You have an 80-grade name, but you weren't good enough to stay in the Rockies rotation for a full season. Why are you on this playoff-bound rotation? Also on the injured list, they have Hunter Renfro, Colton Wong. That wouldn't be a huge deal for most teams, but Hunter Renfro and his 116 WRC Plus is third on the team. Colton Wong, you know what you're getting with him. You're getting good defense, even though he hasn't been good with the glove this year. It's a small sample. You're getting a roughly league average bat. Look, the Brewers need these guys to get healthy. They also need reinforcements. Their best hitter right now is Mike Brasso, who has a 348 BABIP. I don't think that's sustainable. Their second best hitter has been Victor Caratini, who has been legitimately excellent. And after that, it's a big drop-off. They need something. Something is missing from this team. I still like them to win the division and be the three seed in the playoffs, but I think whichever six seed they're playing is going to be better than them. So how do you? Yeah, Yelich has also uh, continued to not be good following his kneecap injury in like 2020, I believe it was. Um, when, uh, when they gave him that big extension following his MVP year, uh, he was basically going to be the focal point of their offense, and without him, they really have no offense. He is their offense, and without him, like you said, it's uh, two catchers, which is never a good sign. Yeah, to be fair, Yelich does have a 101 WRC+, and he's way underperforming his ex-WOBA, even though everyone's underperforming their ex-WOBA this year. So I don't know what to make of that. But yeah, it's not good. It's not good at all. So how do you stay afloat in that situation? What, you're in the Brewers' front office. What are you looking towards, for now at least, are you patchworking internally? Is this a wait-till-the-deadline type, type thing? What do you do if you're the Brewers trying to say, hey, we're up a game, but it's only a game at this point? Being in PNL Central definitely helps. True. <laughs> Yeah, the Cardinals aren't good. They're going to devil magic their way into the race, but they're not good. So you kind of sit and pray and hold on until you get healthy then at, at that point. Like that whole adage, players getting healthy at the trade deadline is just like making a big trade. <laughs> every, yeah, team, you, every team says it. You hope, you hope you win every time Corbin Burns starts, and the other times you try to get three innings from Williams and Hayter, I guess. At that point, it's again. You, then you wonder how healthy you're going to be, how fresh are you going to be down the stretch, and you hope players come back, add a little bit of the deadline, see what happens. But oh, they're not going to be fresh down the stretch. But if you're the three seed and you're facing the Phillies or the Padres or the Giants or the Braves in the first round of the playoffs, you're probably outgunned anyway. Right. So it's one of those situations where you play in the NL Central. You're getting in, but it's kind of like the AL Central. You're getting in, but you probably didn't need to be that good to get there. Yeah, you so get in and you hope Burns and Woodruff can carry you. Exactly. And so there'll be a team to watch. I think it's, again, it's the NL Central. So 
they have the means to stay afloat, now will they? Yeah, if they add something, they're legitimately good. Right. But it's not really their style. So where do you add, though, becomes the next question. Do you stay with the pitching just because it's so depleted? Do you pray that Victor Carantini remains your second best hitter? Where do you you got to add to the outfield, right? Because they just got rid of Locaine. Right. Yeah, but what assets do they have? Uh, let's see. Do they have any minor leaguers? Uh, you got any trades how you left? <laughs> uh, they have David Dahl in their minor league system. Bring him up. He was an all-star once for some reason. Everyone has maybe one all-star season. You never know. <laughs> but that'll be an interesting situation to keep an eye on. It is one of those where, where do they want to add? Are they going to add? How much can they add? Like you said, Sean, it's not their style. Yeah, and if if they are going to add, the first team they should be calling, and this will segue nicely, is the Astros, who have an abundance of center field depth. Yeah, the Astros are a team that get rid of Correa. Who cares? We have Jeremy Pena. Like, th- th- yeah. It's it's the most frustrating team in baseball because you want to hate them, but they can. You can't. They're so good. They're every just year incredibly good, and even with them being that good, you still have to go against the big bad Yankees this year who are truly living up to that name for the first time in what feels like a long time. Astros-Yankees this this past series was phenomenal. So, I mean, what do you learn from a series like that? With two teams like that, can you learn anything? Is it something where you just like, Someone's got a good reminder of how. We got a good reminder of how much of a bad mother uh, trucker uh, Aaron Judge is. Yeah. Aaron Judge will get paid. He will get paid an exorbitant amount of money. Yes, and he will deserve it. Yep. I'm still very interested by that contract, but I am too. I think it'll end up in the range of. Seven years, thirty-five a year. But the one thirty-one, thirty-two, heading into it. Yeah. The one real takeaway from this series is the Astros' bullpen depth. It's not good. Ryan Presley. We all know Ryan Presley. We all thought he was great coming into this season. Maybe he is great. He hasn't looked great. Uh, he got hammered in Game One of the series. He gave up. I believe he's the one who gave up the home run to Hicks. I don't think they had taken him out by then. Who, no offense, it's Aaron Hicks. He walks. He doesn't do anything else. They, Who else is a high-leverage reliever for them? Phil Maton has an interesting fastball, but his results have never been great. Rafael Montero is sketchy. Ryan Stanek's pretty good. Ryan Stanek is very good, but for some reason they use him in weird spots. Christian Javier is in the rotation now. He would be their real high leverage guy. I guess when McCullers comes back, you can move Javier to the bullpen. That's that was my takeaway. Is I the Astros are really good. They have a really long lineup. They have a very good rotation. They have a good defense. I don't know about the bullpen. I don't think it'll matter. They'll make the ALCS and they'll go seven games with the Yankees because. That's what the baseball gods want us to see. And Hmm. it'll be a great series. I don't know which team will win, but 
their bullpen's a little sketchy, and I think it could hold them back from winning another pennant. On the flip side of things, is there an Achilles heel for the Yankees like that? Do you see something like that in a series where, I mean, look at Sunday's game, where they're getting no hit, get a hit, and still win the ball game eventually. Like, on those sorts, like, I, I truly mean, like, I'm not a Yankees fan by any stretch. Of the way. Don't get me wrong. But at a certain point, you're like, this team looks like the team that they talk like they're going to be every year. Like, you finally put it into action. They're the best team in baseball. And, and I agree. I don't think it's particularly close. So, no. so now it comes to the question of when there are these sorts of teams, where do you beat them? Um, Nestor Cortez hasn't looked good lately. I guess that's where you beat them. And I mean, if like that's where you decide to go with that answer, it's like, yeah, it's a great. That's your biggest weakness is Nestor Cortez hasn't looked great right now. Like that, that's a hard place to be. Yeah, it's a really good bullpen. It's a really deep lineup. Mm -hmm. Um, The rotation is deep. They have Cole, they have Cortez, they have Tyon, they have Montgomery, they have Severino. They can call up some guy who's throwing a hundred. It doesn't matter. They have just so much depth. The one weakness is really the defense. They're not a good defensive team at all, especially on the infield, but their pitchers strike out a billion batters per nine. So I don't think it's even going to matter. Some of their high leverage bullpen guys can be pretty wild at times. Clay Holmes, Chapman, obviously. Yeah, Clay Holmes has given up like two runs this year, though. Clay Holmes has been incredible. I think that's a wild story of just unlocking someone's potential. I really want Clay Holmes to start the All-Star game as an opener. That's, I can't wait for those conversations in a couple weeks of the All-Star game stuff. Because as much as I hate everything about All-Star voting and how it's done, and even if they've made it better, I, I still enjoy trying to figure out who's in, who's not, who got snubbed, things like that. But yeah. I, my, my anticipation is, you know... Probably won't see an opener, despite... Yeah, no, it, it's going to be Verlander. <laughs> It'll probably be Verlander. Because but... Dusty Baker's managing. Yeah. So... But no, it, it's an interesting thing when you have a series like that. I think, Sean, to go back to your original point about the Astros potentially being someone where, you know, they're probably buying at the deadline, but are just so deep that they can help somebody somewhere else at the same time. Yeah, their center field options are Jose Siri, Mauricio Dubon, Jake Myers, and Chaz McCormick. And all four of those are good players. Right. So you're struggling to find time for them. Now go get something in return for one of them. Yeah, Jake Myers, you could trade straight up for a high-leverage reliever probably. Mm-hmm. You don't seem to agree on that one. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's a good defender. I'm, I'm just not convinced he's back into the hitter yet at least no but i think he's at least league average and you have what five years of team control over him after this year i think it does come down a lot to control i think that's an important piece you can get you can probably get something for him the question becomes how much is it worth the move i mean but also you're the houston astros so you probably have six more jake myers right you just yeah they just create guys exactly mm-hmm. so 
it's a nice position to be in, and it leads to teams still knocking on your door even when you're buying. Hey, maybe um, for this win, he gets healthy and he can contribute out of the bullpen. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, that just, it's never going to happen, but imagine. Yeah. It's an embarrassment of riches type situation with, with some of these teams. And I do want to talk a little bit about um, one team I was impressed by that I don't know why I was so impressed. I didn't realize I was going to be that impressed by them was watching the Orioles this week. They're fun. Um, they're fun. Yeah. I, they're not good, but they're really fun. And they're going to beat you if you screw up. Like, they are not far away from being a pretty solid baseball team. They need a lot of pitching help, starting pitching help. Oh, yeah. You, you look at that bullpen. And, oh, you know, the bullpen's filthy. And you're talking about, you know, some of these scenarios like Astros could be a buyer and someone you get pieces from. Like, Brewers are going to need to go get some certain people. Like, any team looking for guys, I'm knocking on the Orioles' door because of that bullpen right there. Yeah. If you're a contender, you call them and say, can I have Lopez, please? Right. I mean, you can take any number of those guys. Some of the guys they were running in this week, I'm like, who is that? And they come out pumping 96 to 98. And it's like, Their that's bullpen's so disgusting. Yeah. Left and right-handed. It's like that, that sort of talent that, you know, when you're talking about building the ideal bullpen, like not having to spend on relief is like your ideal scenario. Maybe you buy one or two. But in the grand scheme of things, putting seven or eight man bullpen together, like that's a team that seems like one thing they might do really well, and it's something to gauge and keep an eye on, is build up bullpen pieces really well. And it would make sense too. They have um, some of the old Astros guys. Yeah, uh, Sigmado, I believe, is there. He's excellent at that sort of thing. You get the right people in there, and they start to figure it out. So that that that's a team I was impressed by as we were talking about some of the standings in some of those teams. But you I talk think... about the meeting uh, pitching help. They should get it relatively soon. Grayson Rodriguez's oh, yes. Gray mm-hmm. um, John means yeah, he's hurt, but when he comes back, he'll be good. Yeah, Grayson Rodriguez is. Um, what's the pitcher version of working on your defense? Just. <laughs> Just trying to improve your hereditary pitch. He's <laughs> <laughs> working on his pickoff move. Yeah, something that seems less important, I guess. Maybe, but I'm excited to. I, I am excited to see sort of like the fruits that are coming from this because they're a fun team to watch. Like they do think like Cedric Mullins in center field. Cedric Mullins is fun. Was frustrating all weekend to watch. If you're an opposing fan, I just yeah. They Austin Hayes is a good hitter, legitimately mm-hmm. good hitter. Austin Hayes has turned himself into a good hitter. I Mullins in center field. I like Anthony Santander. Yeah, like they they're showing signs of a team that yes, they're still going to be someone teams call to get relievers off of or try and get like a Trey Mancini off of. Mm-hmm. But in but three years, they might not be. But they're not far they're not as far away as maybe i anticipated and i think that was one team when you know obviously you look at the standings it's one thing they're gonna get buried in the ALEs no matter what that's a team but that, that light at the end of the rebuilding tunnels getting bigger and brighter and yeah. the only problem is the al east yeah and you, yeah. And, you and, and i mean even if you're a contender you don't necessarily want to roll in 
needing to win ball games and have to face the Baltimore Orioles. This yeah, this so this weird, isn't the Rockies. Yeah, this which is a weird place for them to be. Not the A's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, or the White Sox. Or the White Sox at this point, honestly. Like, yeah. I, I don't know what to take away from that team. It's I it's would take away from that team, Fire Larusa. It's frustrating to watch. It's disappointing, but at the same time, it's like you still get performances like Sunday where Dylan Cease is phenomenal. Like that's that's why I watch these baseball games. Yeah, but, Dylan Cease is ridiculous. So it's phenomenal to. But like I said, that that my big takeaway from just this week of baseball for me was having watched Baltimore and had expectations of not good baseball. It was legitimately. As as a third from a third party perspective, fun to watch that team. Um, so they're going to be coming sooner than later. Yeah, especially if Bruce Zimmerman figures it out again. And and I think it it, it does come down to pitching. You're right. Can can they sustain that strong bullpen? Can they figure out a starting pitcher or two to to kind of help out with this? And I think it's a good segue into you know the the kinds of pitching, your pitching coaches, your pitching staff, kind of all lining together. Something that feels really weird. So, I mean, college season ended um, today. So, first of all, congratulations to Ole Miss. Last team in, last team to lose. So, you know, Jenny, you don't seem too thrilled. I don't mind the underdogs winning a few here and there. Last team in, it's always fun to see, um, even though Notre Dame did not win. But the point more so being, a lot of head coaching changes to start and also – ancillary staff that goes along with that. And Twins lost their pitching coach today is going to LSU. Wes Johnson is going to LSU officially um, to become their pitching coach. Weird situation. You don't necessarily lose your pitching coach midseason all that often. Dan Hayes, who's an athletic writer for the Twins, uh, tweeted recently, many on board the Twins flight were unaware of the news that the pitching coach, Wes Johnson, was leaving. The news broke just as the team took off from Minneapolis, so the team held a mandatory meeting once they arrived at their Cleveland hotel. Hmm. So I guess my, my question is twofold here. You know, One, how do the Twins handle this? They're currently in first place in the AL Central. You have a struggling White Sox team. And a Cleveland Guardians team that's just annoying, but probably isn't as good as they've been playing. The Guardians are tough. Okay. What were you going to say about the Guardians, Sean? Guardians are tough. I just saw them play in person last week. And they're tough. They're tough. But it's not like they, – they still feel beatable. So, this, so you're looking at it from a Twins perspective. You're like, number one, I got to stay on top of this – division like how am i going to do it if i'm changing pitching coach i guess is it going to matter how does the team respond to it that's my biggest question curious on your thoughts at least to start that one well it's it's certainly something that's going to be very interesting to see in this day and age you know the pitching coach isn't the only person who works with and interacts with pitchers uh, in between games having the um, work on stuff and whatnot. Uh, I think this definitely matters less than 
it would uh, 10 or 20 years ago. Uh, I think it may seem like a bigger deal to uh, fans because the pitching coach, he's like, he's sort of like the face of the coaching staff for pitching. Same way the manager is, but in a different sense. Uh, I think that can sort of camouflage how important of a role it is. And it is an important one. Don't get me wrong, but these days you're seeing more of a pitching coach by sort of committee and analytics thing than just a pitching coach, you know? It's more complex than that. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there, with one exception. So a lot of these guys, they don't really need the pitching coach to tell them what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong. Like you take Joe Ryan is the Twins' best pitcher, right? We all We can all agree on that. Like, he doesn't need a pitching coach. His success comes from a ludicrous vertical attack angle. He clearly learned that on his own because no high school or college pitching coach was teaching that. I doubt any of them know what it means. So a lot of guys, especially you know their best pitcher, yeah, it's not a big deal. The one exception there is the Twins' number two starter and probably legitimately their second best pitcher is Sonny Gray. And they're going to rely on Sonny Gray a lot, especially if they go into the playoffs as the three seed and they have to play the Rays or the Red Sox. They're going to need Sonny Gray to make a good start or two. And Sonny Gray has had problems with pitching coaches before. We know what happened to him when he was on the Yankees. He didn't like their pitching philosophy. He got crushed. He went to the Reds. He liked their pitching philosophy more. He was good. He is going to be very interesting to watch. I'm going to mark the date. It's June 26th. At some point, I'm going to go back and look at his splits before and after changing pitching coaches and see if he has figured enough out himself that a pitching coach change won't really matter to him or if the Yankees thing is going to happen again. One thing I think that's worth considering um comparing when you bring up his time spent in the Yankees organization, uh, he was a lot less uh, sort of solidified as a big leaguer than obviously he was good in Oakland, but by the time he went to New York, he was, he had only three years in the big leagues at the time. Uh, I think now that he's more uh, established as a big leaguer, he's a multiple time all-star, I believe. Uh, I think he's a two-time all-star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that he has the, he can be both more confident and in his stuff, and uh, any potential pitching coach is likely to be not at, is likely to have less of an effect on him now compared to where he is in his career now compared to when he was in uh, New York. That'd be good because who he is now is a solid pitcher. And the Twins are a fun team. They have Byron Buxton, maybe the most fun player in baseball. And I just hope he stays healthy for their playoff run. And Joe Ryan is one of the most exciting pitchers to watch. Joe Ryan's going to be a star. He already is. (laughs) Very rare Rays L there. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a nice get from the Rays. And I think for for all intents and purposes with this conversation... I think it comes back to, yeah, you, you're in a day and age where, you know, pending the team, of course, 
it's not just one guy who's really responsible for a lot of things. You know, you've already put a routine into place. You're midway through a season. They could probably get through the routine of a season um, by themselves at this point. So I don't think that's the issue. And I think, Jenny, from your point of view, yeah, you have an entire analytics staff. You have a pitching coach by committee, essentially. There's just one voice, yeah, but it's not just one person doing everything. So I, I do think it won't be a huge issue. I think it's more of a team morale thing than anything else, losing that guy. But my other question related to that is, you know, <clears throat> Kyle Body of Driveline had some interesting thoughts on it, you know, in terms of um, – you're not necessarily going to see guys doing this continually unless they have some sort of experience at the college level doing it. Cause there's the recruiting aspect, which is not as straightforward as it may seem or as easy as it may seem. So I just thought those were some interesting thoughts. Um, I mean, saying you're kind of saying you're uh, saying, Hey, I'm a former MLB pitching coach. You want to work with me here? Come to this school. I mean, that's one hell of a recruit and pitch there. <laughs> no, I, I don't think it, it's. I don't think it's necessarily the pitch that's hard. I think it's more so being on the trail consistently. And yeah. I mean, these are things I can't even speak too much. Um, just more so the routine behind it. Like it work like balance probably is about the same because you have to factor in recruiting. Like, yeah, in the major leagues, you probably get a couple months off during the off season, but for uh, college baseball, like you're you're recruiting during those. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see sort of if other people did it. You know, there were the rumors that Chris Fetter would head back to Michigan to be the head coach there since their vacancy is or, or since their head coaching uh, spot is vacant. Uh, he has since pulled his name out. He's staying in Detroit. So you, you see these things where guys leave college, go to get major league jobs, find it more lucrative to be back in college and also – perhaps just enjoy it more. So I'm curious to see as these positions continue to get filled at the college level as well this year, as well as in the future, do you see some of those changes where guys who had made that jump from the college level, um, make that transition back down um, from the college level to major leagues and then major leagues back down to college. level. Um, so it's always very interesting to me to see those guys kind of flip through and switch through. I think better was a very interesting case with, going all the way from Michigan straight up to the major league pitching coach. Um, so I, I think those are situations that are interesting and fun to watch. Um, what else do we want to talk about? I want to talk about Mariners angels. I think that, um, I think that deserves a conversation. Um, certainly another wild one. And I think it's been something that, I, multiple angels have talked about. It. Obviously, this isn't going to be the case. I feel like this had a little bit more intent to it than just the ball getting away. Like Michael Lorenzen talks about it. Like the ball's clearly different. This didn't feel like a situation where there was a lack of intent necessarily, but also I don't frequent angels baseball too much. So um, I'm going to turn it over to the AL West expert on this one to get your thoughts on the brawl itself, which was, I thought, phenomenal. <laughs> well, I think the most interesting thing about it is that outside of the Astros, everybody in the AL West is bad and sucks. So it's not like this was between two teams in the middle of a playoff race or anything. It's not like it's uh, Yankees, Red Sox, or Twins, uh, White Sox, or 
Guardians, I guess, this year sort of thing. Um, you know, it, it slowly escalated. Justin Upton got uh, hit. Trout got thrown out, got buzzed. And now uh, Jesse Winker got uh, hit and probably intentionally. You know, he had certainly felt it was intentional. I mean, you see footage of the fight. He's going straight after Nevin, not the pitcher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, Yeah, it it made me bring back what I've been saying, which is baseball teams should, well, not just baseball teams, MLB as a whole should implement NHL-style fighting. Each team (laughs) nominate a player to fight on their behalf. Those players do their business. Those players then get ejected from the rest of the game, but not from the rest of the series or anything else. Uh, and then everybody goes back to what they were doing. It'll blow off more steam because there's going to be an actual sort of like blow off to everything. Uh, less people are going to get involved. Less people are going to get hurt. You know, the big thing about bench cleaning brawls is injuries and stuff like what happened to Michael Morse. This eliminates that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, like you said, this was fun. It will implement this, this uh, more often. So... Why not? That is not where I thought you were going. I was going to say we should implement something. I was expecting something uh, much more fanficy, but <laughs> based on the hockey DMs you sent me. <laughs> but either way, I enjoy when they break out. I I get a good laugh at baseball fights because, like, nine times out of ten, it feels like just more yelling back and forth than anything actually coming of it. So it's nice to see the one out of ten that does also it. the best part of this one by far is Anthony Rendon, who's hurt <laughs> and who famously <laughs> doesn't show emotions, <laughs> slapping Jesse Winker. Now I appreciate that. I, I I don't know how obviously Angels front office is pissed. Um, I I, I think <laughs> Angels fans love it. <laughs> I exactly Angels fans love it. I bet the players love it. I think it's a team that you know you talked about it, Jenny. It's two teams that are struggling that shouldn't be struggling i do want to talk about the mariners a little bit about it you know that's a team that was one game away from the playoffs last year and now what happened it was fake it's the mariners we, we all knew it was fake so it ended up just it, it's fake it is what it is like so they're just, they're just trying to get another episode made of the john boyce documentary so then the then the question becomes, you know, how far away are they actually from contention? Is it close? Is it like, are, is the comparable team actually the Orioles and it was just lightning in a bottle for a year? No, they're yes. a better team than the Orioles. Okay. They're, they're better than the Orioles, but it was still uh, a fluke. Oh, yeah, it was definitely a fluke, but they're not like super, super far away. So, year or two down the line is kind of the consensus here. Yeah, they could compete for a sixth seed next year. Okay. But have you considered they're the Mariners? I have not. Let me reconsider for a second. Let me, let me apply the Mets Mariners tax. That's It's an interesting It's interesting to see a team like that. I mean, yeah, maybe there was some fluke to it, but there, there's a lot of legitimate talent, so it'll be interesting to see. All right, I, f- I figured out what they should do. All right, go ahead. They should bring Hisashi Iwakuma out of retirement, oh my God. make him the opening day starter, and they'll be fine. 
I think they're going to nominate you for GM very soon. He was really it's... good and really underrated. I want to see if he can still pitch. I think, you know, at the end of the day, I don't know if that'll fly, but I appreciate <laughs> the sentiment behind it. But the other thing I want to talk about, too, are the Angels. You know, Shohei Otani continues to be Shohei Otani. I think he deserves that love. And I know, Sean, you had said it's always time to talk about Shohei Otani. I think that's one thing. But also, another struggling team. I still, after firing Joe Madden, still treading water, can't really figure it out yet. Again, what does that come back to? Is that still a pitching issue? Is it an offense? Like, How do you view it? As someone, like, as you mentioned, kind of doesn't have that team allegiance. You kind of can see it from that 30,000-foot view. So, okay, so I was at an Angels game last week. And the top three in their lineup were Taylor Ward, Mike Trout, and Shohei Otani, which is very, very good. One of the best top threes in baseball. Their cleanup hitter was Matt Duffy. They were facing a lefty, so Jared Walsh was down in the lineup. They had Kurt Suzuki starting. When it was time for them to pinch hit in the ninth, they brought up some guy I had never heard of who didn't have a major league hit. They have no depth whatsoever. It's literally just Ward, Trout, Otani, and Walsh against righties in the lineup. And even though I like Brandon Marsh, I think Brandon Marsh is going to be fine. I think he's going to be a good player. He's not there yet. And on the pitching side of it, it's Otani who can only really go once a week. It's Patrick Sandoval, who I think is legitimately very good. Reed Detmers isn't very good. And that's about it. Thor doesn't have that much left in him. He's a roughly league average starter who doesn't strike guys out anymore. Mm-hmm. The bullpen hasn't been good. Rysel Iglesias has struggled. Ryan Tapera is not getting NL MVP votes anymore. And... <laughs> Aaron Loop has been bad. They have no depth outside of the Stars. It's the definition of a Stars and Scrubs team. It's nice that they added an extra star by Taylor Ward becoming good. But there's just nothing. I, I don't know how to fix them. There's nothing there. It's eight really good players and literally just replacement level. Do they ever get to... They're just not a very good organization, really. Uh, they struggle to develop players, both pitching and uh, hitting. Their trades are perplexing. Like, Rysilisakles, that was a good trade, but for a closer, when you're already not really a playoff team, that's not going to move the needle much. Uh, their free agent signings are either great or terrible. Uh, Dylan Bundy was good a year ago or a few years ago, but now he's not gone. Now he's gone, and you know, and he's bad again. Uh, Rendon's injured. Uh, they're they signed Kirk Suzuki. <laughs> <laughs> the frustrating thing there is they have a better catcher. Yeah, right. Max Stassi's good. A, they're just not a good organization. They're not a well. I don't want to say well run. I, they're an organization that hasn't been able to put together a good team. Yeah, they make weird decisions. 
they stick with their guys too long, except for the guys they trade away too soon. I legitimately don't know how to fix that team. It would have helped if they signed Garrett Cole. Yeah. But it's it's another one of those teams where it's like, again, you should be putting everything together. You're not. Now you have to ask questions about, you know, does Shohei Otani stick around? Do they try and keep him around? Like, what, what do you do with a player like that? Do you think you can re-sign him? Should you be trying to trade him if you don't think you can re-sign him? Like, you I think one team should sign him as a hitter and one team should sign him as a pitcher. <laughs> this isn't fantasy baseball. <laughs> and it should be the Yankees and the Mets. That way he gets to – it's convenient for him. This is not fantasy baseball. Yeah, but who gets who? What's the uh, custody battle like? <laughs> <laughs> the Mets use him as a pitcher since all of their pitchers are broken and they need one. And he gets the short porch. And he gets the short porch. He gets to hit 70 homers. I do not want to see Shohei Otani in a Yankees uniform. I will. Uh, just log on to Twitter for a few minutes and you will. No. I, don't, <laughs> I don't think I will, actually. I, I don't think I will. Um, but I, I bring that up more so it's like those are tough questions you got to ask. When you don't know what to do with a team and you're middling in the middle, you either have to spend a lot more money than you're already spending when you have Trout – and Otani, or not, Otani's not expensive, but Trout and Rendon has expensive contracts. Or you have to break it down and trade those assets and waste more of Mike Trout's prime or trade Mike Trout. Like that, that's where you're at as a team. And it's, it's weird because, like, their assets don't have that much trade value because a lot of them are tied up in big contracts or old. Right. Like, probably their best asset is Otani, uh, but he is weird to evaluate because of how unique he is. Uh, their next best asset is probably Jared Walsh, but he's old. He's at 28 now. It's it's Brandon Marsh, right? He's he's their guy they could yeah, legitimately but they, trade. But why would they trade him like he's exactly. their future center fielder? Yeah, he's, he's a he's a great defender. He's, what you, he's the kind of guy you want to trade for, but so they they're not going to pass pass up on him which leaves jared walsh has their best asset trade and he's old and like like you brought up earlier he doesn't start against lefties yeah he's the strong half of a platoon it's a very strong half but still yeah it, he's the first baseman who isn't an everyday starter most of the time it's an interesting scenario it, it's an interesting team every time we bring it up or we've been doing this what three years now these podcasts feels like every time we talk about the angels the same way probably should be better than they are probably aren't going to be which is at least this time they have an ace they have patrick sandoval who's good they have something again it's they have pieces they have a good pitcher finally so it's like where do you go from there if you're that team so it's difficult for them i don't know it's it's Every time we talk about them, it's a weird team to talk about. And like you kind of said, Sean, I don't know what to do with that. That That is just a weird baseball team to deal with. Um, another weird baseball team, at least in my mind, Philadelphia Phillies. I think they're a weird baseball team. Oh, they are. I, I don't – I have said since the beginning, like, good for them, the way they went out and built that team around offense and offense only and truly offense only. Sitting at 39 and 35, eight games back. 
you have a Bryce Harper injury. Let's start with that before we get to the feel-good story. Phillies, what do you do right now with a Bryce Harper injury? What's, Panic. What's your next move? What did you say? Panic. That's that's okay. the right move. I guess panic, sure, but once you're done panicking, what do you do next? Trade for Jake Myers. It's Mickey Money next <laughs> season, baby. The name. <laughs> <laughs> so, you genuinely believe? Now I don't know how long. Do they have they released how long he's going to be out for? Harper, no. It's broken no. thumb, so it's or his thumb, like a month. So you stand to potentially lose a lot of ground in a month, and you're going to have to make trade deadline decisions before he gets back. At what point, I guess two questions. At what point during the trade season, trade deadline season, do you have to make that sort of decision? And then from there, how far back is too far back? Because they're eight games back in the East. And if you look at the wild card standings, they're only a game and a half back of the third wild card spot. How yeah. far back is too far back? Like it, it yes, panic, absolutely. Like you just lost one of the best hitters of baseball, but you're not that far out of the realm of making the playoffs. It's kind of like the Brewers. How how do you survive right now? It's a weird spot because they're a tough first round opponent. If they get in, mm-hmm. they can run out Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola, and they have a bevy of number three starters. So they're pretty good if you face them in the first round. Also, their their bullpen's bad again. Of course, it's bad, but Sir Anthony Dominguez is legitimately very good. Mm-hmm. He is an excellent reliever. So they have a guy back there to be a hammer, and the offense has drastically underperformed. Castellanos hasn't hit very many deep drives. Vilmuto has been good uh, for a catcher. He hasn't been quite up to his standards, but he's been fine. Schwarber is doing Schwarber things. Alec Bohm has been atrocious. Brecent Stott has been atrocious, but th- a lot of that will probably regress to the mean. I don't think he's that bad. They don't have a center fielder. It's most. It's been a platoon of Matt Veerling and Odubel Herrera. I kind of like Veerling. I kind of like his tools, but he's not great. And we know what Herrera is, and that's a bad player. I, they're, The other thing that makes their spot weird is they can't rebuild. They have Dave Dombrowski there. It's impossible to rebuild with him, as here, with him anywhere in the organization. So they're going to keep going for it. They're going to keep signing a big free agent every year. They're going to keep adding a guy. And they're going to keep winning 82 games. Which is baseball purgatory. Yeah, let's just sort of take a step back and look at it. They're not catching the Mets or the Braves. They're, those two teams that. are better than them. You sure about that? It's the that. Mets. <laughs> I don't think they can well, lose listen, this one. <laughs> listen, since like 2016, I've picked the Mets to win the NL East. This might finally be the year. I'm. <laughs> they're gonna, they're gonna got, tie with the Braves and lose head-to-head record or something. Yeah, so they're not being them. Uh, the wild cards, you, they're a game back, but I still think the wild cards a tough spot to make because it's gonna be like the Padres, the Dodgers, the Giants. Those are all 
going to be at least two of the teams in mm-hmm. there. And then you have like uh, the Braves and the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals are better than them, honestly. I even with a healthy price, I don't. I I think they they needed to upgrade before Harper's injury, and now that he is injured, I don't think it would take major trades with a major with a capital M to not to make up both the space they needed to prior to the Harper injury and the new space that has opened up with Harper being out now. They would need Brian Reynolds. Well, yeah. and they don't have the prospect capital to get Brian Reynolds. Not many. I feel like not many teams do right now. <laughs> the Marlins do. Marlins do. Marlins are a decent team. Marlins are a fun team. Marlins are fun. Um. So yeah, it, it's an interesting, another interesting team where it's like, kind of like the Brewers. We started off talking about the injured Brewers. We're kind of here talking about now another injured Phillies team. Like, wh- what do you do in a situation like that? How late is too late? And it'll be interesting to see. Like, like I said, as we continue to talk about these teams week after week how the situation continues to evolve is why we or evolve is why we start with the standings every week. Like things shift a lot very quickly and they'll be an interesting team to watch. And I think one feel good story, Mark Appel finally makes it to the major leagues yes. after nine years. I think he, he posted a really nice thread on Twitter, just some of his thoughts and just, just feelings behind being able to finally get there. And I think Sean, you mentioned he's made an appearance yet. But it'll be a cool one when he eventually does. So, yeah, I would like to. I would like to be there for that. I live close to Philly. If he's going to be scheduled to make a start, I would like to go to that. So, but always nice to have a few few feel good stories as we talk about injuries all day but, <laughs> and underperforming yeah. teams and Twins losing their pitching coach. It's nice to end with a feel good story. But I do want to wrap it up here with our typical what to watch for this week. So. Each of our fine panelists will pick what they're going to be watching this week. Tell us why they're watching it and why they think you should be paying attention. Players, teams, matchups, you pick it, and I'll start with Sean. Well, I forgot this was a thing. So I'm not going to pick a game or anything like that. (laughs) I'm watching the All-Star voting. I want to see what happens with the Blue Jays because at the first update, I believe the Blue Jays had Kirk, Guerrero, Bichette, Espinal. No, not Espinal. Um, Springer and maybe Hernandez all going to the second round of voting. 2015 Royals vibes. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. Those are good players. Those are a lot better players than the 2015 Royals had. (laughs) But come on. Ty France should be starting at first base. Xander Bogarts or Tim Anderson or Jeremy Pena should be starting at shortstop all over Bichette. Springer's a good player, but in the AL outfield, you have Trout, you have Judge, you have Buxton, you have Kyle Tucker. You have much better players than Springer. I'm really interested to see how that works out. Kirk is the one who legitimately deserves to start, and I hope he does. Hell yeah, brother. (laughs) I love Alejandro Kirk. I hope he can survive the oncoming Jose Trevino. Ballot stuffing. Oh my god! But yeah, I'm going to be watching the all-star voting numbers very closely to see what happens with Canada versus everyone. Jenny, what about you? God, um, what the fuck? 
You would say I... <laughs> this wasn't supposed to be a surprise question. <laughs> yeah, okay, I know, fine. but like what? I'll give you one. I'll give you some time. I'll pick mine. Sox play the Giants this week. I think Rodon is scheduled um to be lined up there and if you've listened to our episodes here you know anytime that name comes up i usually go on a tangent so i excellent given, picture given that the white Sox have scored about three runs a game for the past three months now and they'll have rodan to go up against i'm sure i will have another rand come next sunday but that's what i'm gonna be watching just uh, reunion of sorts for the White Sox and Giants um, this coming week. Jenny, I've given you now plenty of time. To figure My out. reaction wasn't trying to think of something. It was because I was reflecting on when I was trying to think of something. And it's just like, what is there? My, being an A's fan and being someone who writes about and talks about the A's a lot, I was trying to think of anything I could to say to watch for that team but really there is nothing if you want to see someone get disappointed watch frank watch a frankie montas start and watch him get <laughs> zero run support you know watch. what we'll we'll say just appreciate frankie montas while he's still there because watch ramon loriano throw a ball from the outfield so he's playing the field now. he still but. gets to throw sometimes I, we, we've definitely talked about this on like early season over the off season podcast. Like it's, I, I sympathize. It's not fun to be an A's fan right now. It doesn't make it fun to watch. Um, hopefully in the future, somewhere down the road, this, this CBA kind of helps out this whole situation somehow, or they just move to Vegas and you get to watch a team be actually good. Like, I don't, at, at that point, it's like, what do you do with that franchise? And, I mean, they're not the only one by any stretch. That's why I, I completely, and I'm sure there are like Reds fans, for example, who sympathize with oh, that. Oh boy. Um, yeah, I don't blame you. I don't think there's much <laughs> that you've been enjoying, but you still come on the show. You still talk baseball, and for that, I am very appreciative. But You're not even kind of get the first overall pick since there's a draft lottery now. Confidence. <laughs> you never know. You're at least top four. No, it's like it's the top, it's the it's the eight worst teams, not the top, not the oh, first. right, the expand. Oh yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> well, have some faith. You never know. Still top eight. Top eight's top eight. Trying trying to think of a good player who was taken eighth overall. I'm not good with Jake Gelloff. Wasn't What's Ryan Braun eighth overall? Ryan Brown. Let's see. The uh, the A's do not have a good track record of picking high. Ryan Brown was fifth overall, but I was pretty close. You were pretty close, but uh, the the last the last player that the A's drafted in the first ten overall picks went on to play football. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe times have changed, but. I think that's kind of a good reminder for people that these next couple weeks, some things we'll be talking about. Francisco we Lindor went eighth overall. Okay, there you go. You might draft the next Lindor. You never know. Or we could draft Connor Nolan, A's pitcher and quarterback. Or A's pitcher, Arkansas pitcher and quarterback. 
You never know. But I, yeah, like I said, it's a good reminder for fans that over the next couple of weeks, the July draft instead of the June draft will be something we start to talk about. All-star voting, all that fun stuff will be part of our conversations here uh, as we wrap up episode or season three, episode eight of This Week in Baseball. Um, thank you always for listening. You can make sure to check out our work. Diamond-Digest.com is the website. Diamond underscore Digest is the Twitter handle. Diamond.Digest is the Instagram handle. Um, always good content going on everywhere. I know it's tough for some fans, but also we've got such great writers that are consistently putting out good content. Um, make sure to check it out. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. Make sure to follow our writers on Twitter as well. Always an interesting time listening to all of them and their thoughts. All three of our Twitter handles are here, but you can find all of us um, through Diamond Digest, of course. Um, like I said, thank you for listening. As always, uh, we appreciate your support as baseball fans, as fans of us. Um, so we do always appreciate that. So for Sean Huff, Jenny Sai, this is Jordan Lazowski signing off. Take care, everyone. Enjoy your week, and we'll talk to you next week. Take care. <laughs>